Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. In this episode, I want to talk about the best skis on the marketplace. And specifically, I want to talk about the all-mountain east category because that sort of center of all the universe of model designs out there is where you find the greatest one ski quiver collections. These you might call it the compromise category because it's always got to have a little bit of flavor of what it's not. If it's a carving ski, it's going to have the ability to go off trail. If it's an off trail ski, it's going to have the ability to carve. As I've often said, the measure of a great ski is how well does it do something it was not designed to do. So within this all mountain east genre, we have both the narrowest iterations of much much wider. Uh, big mountain skis. There, the granddad of these models is normally a ski that's 108 millimeters wide or so underfoot, and you also have the widest of the carving skis. Most of the carving skis will be found in the frontside collection, which is going to cap out at 84 millimeters underfoot. But sometimes the head of the carving category actually lies within the all mountain east realm. So we're going to see some carvers mixed in with some off-trail designs in this all-mountainese field. Looking a little closer at the 2021 all-mountainese field, there's three models in particular that stand out. The Blizzard Brahma 88, Nordica's Enforcer 94, and Kessley's MX88. All of these are fresh spins on mainstays of the genre. If these three models were to get together and form a band, they would do songs like Little Things Mean a Lot because none of these extraordinary skis were subjected to massive changes going into this year, but there was a combination of subtle alterations that made them easier to ski without sapping their strength. And I think if there's a single theme to what's new in this season, that's it. How do you make this genre even easier to ski without losing the bite that it's going to need when it's on hard trails? Other notable new skis for this year include the Head Core 87, uh, Solomon Stance 90, and there's a new sort of inbounds, out-of-bounds hybrid from Focal called the Blaze 94. Before getting more specific on each model, I should mention that we break down every category at Real Skiers into power skis and finesse skis. We look at 10 properties for every ski that we evaluate. Some are geared more towards the high-end, high-edge angle power skier who drives the ski and realizes that this is an athletic sport and they ski it aggressively. And we also have finesse skis that are made for skiers that may be also very, very skilled. It's not a matter of skill level. It's a matter about how you load the ski and how hard you want to work the ski. We also have a senior skier selection, and those are often skis that come from the finesse side of the divide. So we're going to begin by looking at power skis. These are going to favor skiers that have good skills. But as I mentioned, overall, what this category is doing is trying to deliver really high-end performance in a package that's really easy to ski for someone, even if they don't have a high-end skill set. You just handle their ability level with length. In other words, you just give the lower skill skier a little less ski to 
worry about, and then they'll have a great ski under them that they can ski on for the next 10 years and be perfectly happy. So what are our favorite power picks for this season? Well, coming back on top of the pack is the Vocal Kendo 88. Every ski design, I believe, has an optimal design width and length there where it absolutely sings. And I think that the Titanal frame technology that Vocal introduced with the Mantra M5 a few years ago finds its best expression in the Kendo 88. It just seems to optimize all of the things that make that a great design. Super stable, really connected to the snow, and yet it has a playfulness, a pop, a reaction that you don't often see anymore in the marketplace. The reason Titanal frame works and is such a terrifically uh, versatile design is that if you ski it sort of passively, it doesn't do much. In other words, it's not overreactive. It just does its job, keeps you on course, <laughs> stays connected to the snow. But if you tilt it to a higher edge angle and you drive it, you're going to get a pop off the ski. And this has been combined in the vocal kendo with a side cut that is variable. In other words, it's one radius up in the forebody, it's another tighter radius underfoot, and yet it's the third radius at the tail. The purpose of that is it allows the skier to manage turn radius with edge angle. Now, to some degree or other, you do that with all shape ski side cuts. But here, because the side cut is deliberately altered, it's more dramatic so that I notice as soon as I get to a certain height of my edge angle that if I load the ski then, I'm going to get a much tighter radius turn than if I stood taller on the ski, didn't extend my legs as far away from my body, and didn't try to drive the center of the ski as hard. So one of the reasons you end up with a top score is because you have the biggest envelope of behavior. And with the Kendo 88 from Vocal, you get a ski that has superlative hard snow characteristics, skis basically like it was a fully cambered ski, although it is not. It is double rockered, although subtly, so it doesn't draw attention to the rockers, but they're there doing their job, keeping you from skewering a mogul when you're ripping along in broken snow. It has a lot of energy um, for a modern ski. In other words, it gives back the energy you put, you put into it. It had a near-perfect score of 9.75 out of 10 for rebound turn finish, which in the modern market is almost unheard of. Ski number two in our hit parade is new this year, or almost new. It's the Brahma 88. It, the Brahma's been around in the Blizzard line for years, but this year they changed the core composition to something that they call True Blend, which micromanages the location of denser woods throughout the core so that you end up with a very smooth flexing ski. As I mentioned in my preamble, the Brahma 88 is one of the skis that really stood out in this year's testing, and I think we would give it the most improved award in that the, while the Brahma's always been a strong ski, it hasn't always been an accessible ski to skiers of lower skills, nor was it the smoothest ski, in my estimation, in how it handled off-trail conditions, although it was good at it. Don't get me wrong. I'm in love with its big brother, the Bonafide, so this is not a reflection on something I'm trying to downsell in the Brahma 88 of prior generations. But this Brahma is just, it's more sweetheart. It's more beautiful. It's easier to ski. One of the characteristics of all of the new Blizzards for this year, and that includes the Bonafide 97, is that each size is more specifically 
targeted in terms of where the baseline changes from camber to a rockered area. Um, the skis are modeled more carefully as, as though each length were itself its own model. It may be the best way to explain it. So length selection becomes really important now, not because you're going to get a wrong ski, but because there's such optimization being done around each length that if you match it up properly with your mass and your aggression level, you're going to end up with a ski that feels as though it was made just for you. In the immortal words of one of the world's greatest free skiers and a friend of mine, Marcus Kasten, you can ski them hard, but they're not hard to ski. The next ski in our power rankings is the number one ski in our finesse rankings, but we have to choose one side or the other, and it's more a power ski than it is a finesse ski, even though when we look at all of the skis we looked at in this category, and we looked at a lot, this ski was the easiest ski to ski. It was like it was intuitive. It knew what you wanted to do. I can remember a run at Mammoth where I went through some wildly variable terrain, and it's as though the ski anticipated my every move. It just seemed such a natural acrobat, and you were felt like you were in such good hands that nothing really could possibly go wrong. They were such an intuitive ski. You just tip it, and it's on edge, and you're off and rolling. There's no complication to it. There's nothing about it that isn't as fluid as skiing itself. The rocker camber intersections are indetectable so that the ski feels fully cambered, fully connected to the snow. Uh, one of the guys that I ski with a lot is Theron Lee, and Theron is a fantastic race coach, and he skis with a racer's sort of compressed body style, uh, and his body type is also quite different from mine. But the point is that Theron loved these skis, and I loved these skis. And with two people who have different skiing styles and different body types and different ways of attacking the mountain, both come away saying that this is an incredible all-mountain ski characterized by stability and most of all by smoothness and, and quickness on and off the edge, then you know that you've got a terrific sort of chameleon-esque ski that can be whatever a pilot wants it to be. Uh, we gave the Enforcer 94 a silver skier selection, not because it's particularly suited to the AARP population, but because it's suited to any and all members of the skiing public, a ski with perhaps one of the largest performance envelopes we've ever encountered. Number four in our power rankings was another Nordica Enforcer, this time the Nordica Enforcer 88. This was the last of the Enforcers to be introduced in the line, uh, the baby Enforcer, if you will, since Daddy is in fact 100 millimeters underfoot and you can get Enforcers that are 115 millimeters underfoot if you're so inclined. So this is very definitely the skinniest Enforcer extant. And when they make these models skinnier and skinnier and skinnier at Nordica, they also take a little bit of the teeth or the burliness out of the ski so that by the time you get to the 88, you have a ski that's really easy to bend. It's supple, it's user-friendly, but it's still built the same way. It's still using the same construction that you find throughout the rest of the Enforcer line this year. But this ski has been just made a little bit easier, I think, for anybody to ski. And it gives an incredible range of versatility again. It's one of the hallmarks of this genre. One of the things you're looking for in an all-mountainese ski is the ability to go absolutely anywhere and ski in absolutely any condition. And one of the testimonials to that vis-a-vis -vis the Enforcer 88 
comes from a snowbird instructor and patrolman and guide and all around everything, <laughs> uh, Ed Chawner. When I shared a lift ride with Ed last winter, he went on and on about how the Enforcer 88 did everything he needed it to do, took him everywhere he needed to go in this massive mountain, and whether he's instructing or patrolling or guiding or pulling a sled or whatever he's got to do, this ski gets it done. And I can't think of a better compliment to a ski's overall ability to take a skier over any mountain in any terrain than Ed's endorsement of the Enforcer 88. By the way, a lot of skis in this genre are fixated on medium to long radius turns, but the Enforcer 88, I find, is extremely amenable to short radius turns. And in fact, I think it had the highest short radius turn scores of any ski in the all-mountainese genre. Now we get to power ski number five in the all-mountain east genre, and I almost have to laugh because it's the Kessley MX-88, which is an incredibly powerful ski. It just goes to show the difficulty of presenting how closely these skis are aligned in terms of quality. For the Kessley to be number five in any ranking is kind of ridiculous because its quality is impeccable, its performance is out of this world, and the better the skier that you are, the more that you'll appreciate them because they continue to absolutely hum at Mach Schnell. You can get them in lengths down to 159 up to 187. So you can get almost any range of ability covered somewhere in that mix. You don't have to say the MX-88 is only for experts just because that's whom it's best for. Experts always get the most out of a ski compared to lower skill set skiers. You just handle the skill requirement with a length requirement. So lower skill skiers just get an MX-88 in a shorter length. And what are you getting? An absolutely exquisite construction, a little lighter than the MX-89 it replaces because they switched from silver birch to poplar in the core, uh, and they probably thinned out their very thick tetanal laminates that they are fond of using at Kessley to keep their skis super quiet at speed. Um, you're also getting with Kessley a meticulously made ski. The base finish coming out of their new check factory is absolutely extraordinary. Uh, you can put a file on it, but you'll probably only make it worse. I would definitely ski an MX-88 before I thought about tweaking its base tune in one fashion or another. In keeping with the theme of this year's All Mountain East category, the new MX-88 is a little easier to get into the turn. It's got a little more shape in the forebody. It's just a little more supple and subtle as it goes about its business. Overall, it's easier to bow. It's easier to ski without giving up one iota of the power that makes the MX-88 worth every penny of its elevated MSRP of $1,249, but boy, that is $1,249 well spent. Before moving on from the MX-88, I should mention that it's one of the relatively few skis in the category that derives directly from a frontside ski. It's a carving ski, essentially, and it's nearly fully cambered baseline should tell you that. So it's not made from the same cloth as most of the other skis in the genre, which are derived from off-trail constructions. Such is the case with our next ski in the rankings, the Stokely Stormrider 88. 
The Storm Rider is part of a family that is mostly, oh, I should say exclusively, wider than it is. It is the baby, if you will. And as the baby, it's a little softer. It's not, I certainly wouldn't call it a delicate flower. Uh, it's skis like a GS race ski, but then it seems as though all Stokely high performance skis ski like GS race skis. They just can't seem to get the racing out of them. Not that that's a bad thing, but you have a sense of more snow contact with this ski, despite it being an off trail baseline, than you probably have with any other ski that's derived from an off trail archetype. This year, Lord knows why, Stokely changed the lengths that they make this drum rider 88, apparently thinking that that is better somehow, and they may be right. And by coming in different lengths, they now have slightly different side cuts. But the intent of this ski and who it's aimed at and what it's for are strictly the same as they have been since the Stormrider 88 burst on the scene a few seasons ago. It's a little bit lighter than the other Stormriders. Uh, it still doesn't ski light, though. It skis like a really strong ski. I think everybody comments on its sort of long radius prowess because it handles speed so well. What's one of the characteristics of Stokely is you have this race-bred background that sort of infuses all of their skis, and the one thing they won't give up on is edge grip no matter what. So you know the Stormrider 88 is going to hold on hard snow, and it has the baseline to travel off trail, and therefore it hits that perfect sweet spot of total versatility that the genre aims at. The next ski in our hit parade is the least well-known, but it deserves to be better known to a wider audience of skiers because what Liberty has done now with their new vertical metal technology is really outstanding. They have metal struts, aluminum, not tetanol, but never mind, don't get lost in that rabbit hole, uh, that act to keep the ski in contact with the snow. So anytime the Liberty V92, which is the subject of this review, it gets deflected. It immediately gets pushed back on the snow by the ski design so that even though there is some rocker in the forebody, you never really know it because it feels like you're always in contact. It also feels always intuitive. There's something about the Liberty V series that just seems easy to ski because the ski never fights whatever it is you want to do. It, it lets you do anything. Yes, the turn radius on this ski is a medium to slightly longer turn radius, if you will, compared to some other skis in the genre, perhaps. But it doesn't ski as though it were finicky. It doesn't act like it's not going to do short radius turns. It's, it's in fact, very easy to turn. If you want to keep making short radius turns, I'm sure it'll do it all day. Uh, it has a large speed range. Therefore, it should be amenable to virtually any ability. Uh, it's a smooth, quiet, cruising ski that basically has the ability to adapt to its user so that no matter who gets on it, it feels natural to them. If you're a reasonably skilled skier who's been out of the sport for a while, the V92 makes a great re-entry vehicle, if you will, because it won't feel like you have to adapt to a new technique or ski these newfangled skis in some funny modern way. You can ski them any way you want. You can ski them with old school feet together technique or wider stance or however you want to turn them. They're ready to do it the way you want to do it. So you don't have to come back to the sport, but then relearn it in order to work on some sort of newfangled technology. Yes, it is newfangled technology, but 
don't let that uh, stop you from enjoying the Liberty V92. The next recommended ski in our lineup is the Fisher RC186 GT. This is a frontside ski, essentially, that has migrated up into the all-mountain east genre by dint of its waist width and its place in its product family, all of which are narrower than it. So this is a carving ski that is inhabiting our all-mountain east genre. And it has a lot of carving ski traits. It's a fully cambered ski. It's plastered to the snow. It has wood and metal with 0.4 millimeter sheets top and bottom. And it has, it's therefore a real deal carving ski that you can take off trail by dint of its shape. Like all Austrian brands, Fischer is obsessed with edge grip on hard snow, otherwise known as racing. So there's a little bit of race ski in all of their non-race collection. And I think that's evident in the RC186 GT that while it will go off trail, it never really loses its aptitude or interest in carving and maintaining snow contact and driving through the snow that's in front of it rather than trying to float over the top of it. If your ratio of on-trail skiing to off-trail skiing while striving to be 50-50 is actually more like 80-20 in favor of on-trail, then a ski like the Fisher RC186 GT is for you because it allows you to get the most out of your on-trail experience. And if you get a foot of snow, great, it can handle it no problem. After all, 86 millimeters underfoot is still, compared to what skis used to be, a very wide ski. So it can handle off-trail conditions despite being essentially, and by personality, an on-trail ski. Those are our top power picks. We now turn our attention to our finesse favorites, what I call the friendly fraternity. Sorry, dear listeners, but I can see by the frantically waving arms of my sound engineer that once again I have exceeded my target length and perhaps have strained the limits of your kind indulgence as well. I'll be back soon with nine reviews of the best finesse all-mountain east skis of 2021. Until then, this has been Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. Thanks for listening.